0: Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. What are we talking about this morning? Um, God put on my heart to talk about what His love does what His love does, and that is not any love. You know, this is a agape love that we're talking about. This is God's type of love. Now, this is a love that the world needs. So as I was preparing for this, God took me through this journey. Um, we all know that uh, Hebrews 13 verse 8 says that um, God is the same uh, yesterday, today, and forever, which means love is the same. But what you'll see in the Word is the f- direction of flow changed. And initially, when Adam and Eve sinned, you see that God, couldn't, uh, God wasn't inside of man, but he still showed his love towards man. Okay, And then you have Jesus that's coming, or that Jesus that came, and all of a sudden love was able to live inside of man. And what we have now is we've got the ability for that love to work through man. So God just showed me those um, different areas. And I just want to invite you to... To open up your heart just to, to receive more of God's love, and it's not something that is uh, difficult to do. God is not far from you, and we're going to get into that a bit more. Like where the word talks about um, God whispering to us, and it's not whispering because He's got a secret, like I love you, you know, it's, it's not that's not why He's whispering, He's whispering because He is so close to you, it doesn't need anything more than a whisper, okay. So yeah, I just want to just lay that foundation, but I just want to pray for our hearts quickly just before we get into, into the Word. So thank you, Father, just for, you yeah, Father, just this morning, just to, to have your Spirit here, to have your, your Spirit present with us, Father. I thank you, Father, that as hearts are just open now, that they will receive, and that seeds of love will be deposited into those hearts, Father. That seed has the ability to be so fruitful, and I'm trusting for that in each person here this morning. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're ministering to us, that you're using my, my words, the, the images, the, the pictures, to just testify of God's, of God's goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you're present in each of us, that you are one with us, and that we can enjoy this morning together. Amen. So you might be asking me why this topic, Devin. We know God loves us. You know, we know God loves us. You know, we've heard (laughs) we've heard this enough, but you can never hear it enough, right? I mean, you can never hear it enough. And how God ministered to me is He showed me that I might know His love, but not experience His love. And that that's a, a lot of my Christian life was exactly like that. I knew that God loved me, but The experiences were, um, few and far between. Okay. The other thing that he said to me is it was easy for me to tell somebody God loves you, but without a demonstration of love, it's useless. It's just words. You know, without a demonstration of love, it's, it's useless. And then the third thing he showed me is, and I've been like so guilty of this. I've, it's so easy for us to say, just focus on the love of God. But what does it mean? What does that look like? You know, if you're, if you're a born again or a new born again believer and I tell you just to focus on God's love, yes, you've got the gospel. Obviously, the gospel is, is a, a demonstration of God's love. But what else can you practically, um, what else can you practically do? So when I want to kind of just go through the things that God has spoken to me in the last, um, week or so. And since I'm a, I'm a practical guy, I want to, to uptake you on this journey of God's love. And I want you to not, it's, I don't want to, um, God's love is not going to increase. You're just becoming more aware of his love living inside of you. Okay. So cool. I'm going to start with some questions. It's always good to challenge ourselves with some questions. And I want to start with this one. What is your definition of love? When, when somebody asks you, Llewellyn, what is love? If you say, love is, what follows those dot, dot, dots? What does it look like to you? How do you describe it? You know, How would you describe it as, as a picture? Is the love that you know, is it the head knowledge? Is it up here? Or is it in the heart? Is it the heart revelation? It's knowing versus experiencing. How do you experience God's love for you? Is it when you go to the beach? Is it, does it only happen when you go to the beach? You know? Is it when we sing worship songs? Then you can experience God's love. But if God is living inside of you, and He's not far from you, you should be able to experience it any any moment of the day, any single moment. Okay? And here's the here's challenging part for us. Does the way you think God loves you line up with the reality of what the Word says about God's love. Because if it doesn't, then there's an opportunity for you to be humble and to change, for you to challenge your way of thinking and get to know what love really is all about. So there's, there's these three areas that I mentioned, um, love towards man, love living in man, and love flowing through man. And I almost want to put it into these things. Like Adam and Eve knew that God loved them, that was, an, that was informational. That information, God loves them. Then Jesus came along. He made love relational. Okay? He made love relational, and it became a revelation. And us living in a revelation, we are now experiencing transformation. God living through us, changing. And not transforming just our own lives, but the people around us, their lives as well. So we know the story of Adam and Eve. Well, the first point I'll I'll give you is that love enforces free will. And we see this with Adam and Eve, okay? So Adam and Eve get presented this opportunity, a choice between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I choose the wrong one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what they're basically doing is they chose to know something instead of experiencing someone because a tree of life if you go look at it it's actually jesus and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is just knowing things it's like human wisdom okay so that's what happens with with adam and eve and we can see what the, the the fruit of that is in genesis 2 verse 16 to 17 so it says and the lord god commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's a bad tree, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So this is where sin entered, the first time man disobeyed God. And sin resulted in death. So there's a, there's a, we're getting to the good things at the end. But, um, so sin resulted in death. Romans 5 verse 12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. The death spread to everyone for everyone sin now what happened here is they became spiritually dead it's they were aware of spiritual things because unbelievers can be aware of spiritual things but adam and eve got disconnected from god's love their life source if you're disconnected from the life source that is love what is the result death there's there's no there's nothing else that can happen so they experienced this um this separation and if we look at it from God's side, nothing changed. God's, from God's side, he was still showing love towards man. He still showed them goodness. He still showed them mercy, um, grace, all of those things. So God's love never changed to them. But now what we sit with in the world is we have the world trying to manufacture love, but they're not plugged into the source of love. So you end with a lot of problems, right? <laughs> we know that the world has a lot of problems. And one of those problems... Um, that we're going to look in, into is uh, the result. One of the problems is fear. Okay? One of the problems is fear. But just to track back a bit, when Adam and Eve got separated from, from love, God's plan was always to restore that union, from the beginning, to restore that union. And like what Etienne said in a, a couple of weeks ago, to restore um, unveiled communion. So you can have conven- communion with a veil, Like if you think of a bride, you can have a relationship with your bride with being veiled, but that's not a nice relationship. I'm sure (laughs) Stephen and Naomi would agree. But we have the ability now after the cross to have unveiled communion with them. So 1 John 4 verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So if perfect love casts out fear, what does the absence of perfect love do? So remember Adam and Eve separated from love? So what that causes, it allows fear to come into man. So man started becoming fearful. They, the first thing they did is they hid themselves. Okay, and We're going to look a bit later on. They clothe themselves as well, and that is a sign of shame. But they hid themselves because they were fearful. And today... We still have a lot of people that are experiencing fear. And you might, just, might ask, why did they experience fear? So there must obviously be some lack of love in some area there, and it's the lack of the, or the awareness of love, the lack of the awareness of love. After man um, experienced fear, God's plan, once again, he wanted to restore the union. He wanted to put the spirit of love back into them. And then when the spirit of love is inside of them, there's no more fear. The the second thing that sin resulted in was um, shame and condemnation. So like I said, hiding away is a sign of fear and clothing yourself is a sign of shame. Now when you when you go look at it, the, the reason or let me let me say it like this. When you clothe yourself, you are um, you, you don't want to become vulnerable. So I mean, we all know if, you, <laughs> if you're naked somewhere and somebody comes in unexpectedly, the first thing you want to do is clothe yourself or run or whatever. I don't know what you want to do. Um, but that is, a, that is that means that when shame entered, they gave up on vulnerability. They closed themselves away from God. Okay. So they closed themselves, uh, themselves and clothed themselves. Okay. And now here's the awesome thing, or well, not the awesome thing, this is the bad thing. When you're not naked, you can't choose the tree of life. Remember now back in the garden, as soon as they clothed themselves, the tree of life was taken away. Because to get to the tree of life, you need to be vulnerable. You need to, you need to, to, to um, kind of like take yourself out of the equation. Take off all your clothes, take off everything you can offer, and just be you. And that is how that's kind of a hint to what we're getting into. That's how you receive from the God living inside of you is taking all your works, putting all of those things aside, all the things you did this morning, whatever it is, so you can receive from God. Because that is how He operates. He operates um, based off of vulnerability. Okay, so because, because they weren't vulnerable anymore, they lost their ability to have a relationship with God. Okay, so they lost the, the ability to have a relationship with God. Now, um, what followed that was that they wanted to do things for, uh, to, to, to kind of like um, get approval from God. So if I do X, Y, and Z, I want, uh, I'm getting approval from God. And, and sometimes we even have it in our own relationships where we put a, like, certain rules in place, or if somebody treats you that way, you give it back to them, and then they realize i don't want that behavior so i'm putting this rule in my mind i mustn't do that to, to Etienne next time so you start building a whole rule list of what how to interact with etienne and if i don't do it i'm not going to experience love and that was their mentality but thank god all of that changed um when jesus came <laughs> and because of those works um because of the, the 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 bad things we do we sometimes disqualify ourselves so God is like, yo, I want to give my son, Llewellyn, this gift. But Llewellyn says, oh, I'm not worthy of this gift because I did this. And then Llewellyn blocks off. I'm not saying you're doing that, Llewellyn, but Llewellyn then blocks off the ability for God to, to bless him, to receive from, from him. I thank you, Jesus. That didn't stay the same. So we looked at, um, love towards man. And now we're going to look at love in man, which was obviously personified in Jesus Christ. Um, there was a problem God wanted to restore this problem or, or take it back to how it's supposed to be and the next, the next hint here is that love deals with problems Okay. God knew there was a sin problem, he wanted to deal with that problem and the way I see it is one of the things that God does is he makes a promise Okay. now we're going to get into this promise, so Adam and Eve they just did their own thing many generations after them And then in Jeremiah 31, verse 33 to 34, God makes this promise. He says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it uh, on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. This is now God speaking. They shall all know me. How does he do that? We're going to get into that. He needs to live inside of them for, for them to know him. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. They will know me because I will forgive them. Me forgiving them causes a clear conscience, and that clear conscience brings rise to faith. So that is why the gospel is so important. When we preach the gospel to somebody, we, talk, we always talk about your sin has been forgiven. Because that results in them having a clear conscience that now I can accept. Faith can rise. The faith of Jesus can rise and I can accept this free gift because my conscience is clear. Okay. And I like to think of it like this. So in Jeremiah, was it the Israelites? Yeah, Israel. (laughs) God gave them an engagement ring. He's telling them engagement ring is a sign of one day we will be one. Okay, so he gives them an engagement ring. He tells them one day I will be one, but there's a problem. Israel already married, and they're married to sin. So how do you break that covenant? Somebody has to die. The only, so according to the word, the only only way a person can can remarry is if the other partner died. Okay, you guys with me? So for us to remarry, our old husband has to die. And how does God do that? Once again, through Jesus. And we're going to look at what Jesus prayed. And this is, this is a really awesome uh, scripture here. Uh, John 17, verse 20 to 23. This is Jesus praying. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. So God and the Father is one, and, God, and Jesus is praying that he wants them all to be one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us. May those that believe be in us as well. Um, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, Jesus saying, I am in them, and you are in me. So with all that being said, you can see the oneness starting to, to happen. And this is a prayer of Jesus I want to see this, Father. I want to see this happen. So Jesus prays for us, uh, all of us to be, um, to be one, but we are already married to sin. Okay? So somebody has to die, like I said, and now we see it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 4, Paul says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Okay? Just as the Scripture said, He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as Scripture said. So, our old husband was sin. Jesus had to become the old husband, which means he had to become all sin. And when Jesus was on the cross, guys, he got the full uh, force of John 10.10. The enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus experienced that full stealing, killing, destroying on his body okay so now when he dies the old husband is dead okay which means you can remarry but okay who do i marry now okay my husband is dead who do i marry now so god what does god do he raises jesus from the dead Okay, that's why the resurrection is so important okay he raises jesus from the dead and now you can get married to jesus so when you now say yes to Jesus, to His gift, Jesus basically um, doing the marriage proposal. Okay, now when you say yes, His Spirit enters into you, into your life. Amen. Second uh, Corinthians uh, one verse. Second Corinthians one verse twenty to twenty two. This is now the fulfillment of the uh, the the promise. Remember, Jesus prophesied or prayed to the Father. This is what I want to see. And in this passage, we see it happening. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own. How? By placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So I remember that cold heart that Adam and Eve had because of fear, condemnation, shame, guilt, all of those things was now replaced with the Holy Spirit. And I like how this verse ends off with um, as the first installment or deposit that guarantees everything else he has promised, everything he has promised. So when you think of those, all the promises in the Word, the biggest promise is God living inside of man. I'm going to do that. He achieved that. Now, when you receive His Spirit, that Spirit is a guarantee of every other promise that God has made in the Word for you. And that is why you can stand on those promises, so to speak. Because you have the promise of the Holy Spirit in you. So where is love now, guys, after Jesus did His work on the cross and, and uh, paved the way? Inside of us, so 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one Spirit with Him. So if you are one with God, and God is love, where does love live? Inside of us. Amen. That's an awesome revelation to have, guys. Now there's no more excuse to not love your neighbor. (laughs) Something that God does is he he deals with a sin problem. Once again, that sin consciousness, consciousness, he gives them a clear conscience, brings uh, faith to, uh, faith rises, and um, you are able to, to have faith in Jesus. An important thing here to note is, and this was for me for many years, I, I didn't think of this this way, but the, the cross did not make uh, or cause Jesus, okay? The, the, the spirits are whistling with me at the back. The cross did not make um, Jesus love you because God was always in the forgiveness business. Before the cross, you always see God like, I forgive these people, I give them new promises. I walk with them, I bless them, they make mistakes. We kind of see this pattern going. It is in his nature to to forgive. We look into Acts 13, verse 38 to 39. It says, so listen, friends, through this Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is offered to you. Everyone who believes in him is set free from sin and guilt. And then it talks about how the law could not achieve that. Through this, Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is offered to you. Other versions say that um, through this, the forgiveness of sins was procl- proclaimed. So, Jesus came to forgive the sins, but God always loved this creation. Second uh, Corinthians five verse nineteen says, "For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and He gave us those the wonderful message of reconciliation." reconciliation. Um, the scripture says that God does not count man's sins against them, which means your sins is not for your account. And I like to think of it like this. If your enemy is a shop owner, or let's say yeah, a shop owner, and you, the enemy comes to Etienne and says, oh, you bought X, Y, and Z from me. You owe me money. What Jesus is then saying is that Etienne doesn't even shop there. He doesn't even have an account. There's nothing for you. The enemy cannot put anything against your name, because technically you're actually dead. So you don't even you can't put a debt on somebody that's already died, right? That would be stupid if you did that. Okay, Romans eight verse fifteen talks about how love deals with the fear problem. It says uh, the spirit you received does not make you slaves, so you live in fear again. The spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that You live in fear again. God did not want you to live in fear. Okay? In actual fact, love is opposed to every form of fear there is. Okay? So there you go. If you're afraid of spiders, uh, (laughs) you can use that one. (laughs) So why are we fearful? It's probably because we're focusing on ourselves, on our own efforts, on our own works. An example that I have in my own life is I always thought of that I need to, to provide for myself. I need to protect myself. I need to fight for myself. But then I realized that you don't fight fear. You, you don't fight fear. You allow more love in. Okay, so you don't even have to, to fight. You guys are excited. I like it. You guys, um, you don't have to fight fear. You just allow more love in. And what happens then, even the fear of rejection and the, the fear of persecution leaves because there's no space for it. If you just keep on allowing love in, there isn't any space for anything else. Love love deals with shame and condemnation. God's righteousness now after the cross is not because of actions. It's just because of belief. But the thing is, we we commit certain actions and that's why we feel shameful. But when you see that God does not hold those things against you, that you are righteous just because you believe in Jesus, you don't have to have that shame. And when you don't have that shame anymore, what happens? You can be vulnerable with God again. You can become naked. You can approach the tree of life. Okay, so when you now come into contact with the tree of life, you're just going to experience the fruit of that tree. And you can experience intimacy with God. I want to use this example. Uh, Etienne is here up in front, and I know that he's uh, done some of this with me as well. So I can use him as an example. Um, but... For you to build trust with, uh, with someone, um, you need to know that you can count on their word. So let's say Etienne tells me, Devin, uh, we're going to play soccer tomorrow morning. I'm picking you up at eight. And then eight o'clock comes and he's not there. And nine o'clock he comes to me and says, oh, Sorry, man, I've, I've, I overslept. Now, the first time that will be okay. I don't know if that happens. But if it continues happening over and over, I can't trust his word. I can't have trust with him. I can't trust His promises. But what you see in the Word is God keeps all His promises so that you can trust Him. And because you can trust Him, you can be vulnerable with Him. And because you're vulnerable, vulnerable with Him, you can have the fruit of a tree of life. So we are called the Beloveds. Now, as Jesus is, so are we. And when God... Um, when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, God said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So all of us here are the beloveds. Now what I love about that word is every time I see it, it's a reminder of be loved, for us to be loved. So all of us sitting here, our first and foremost main purpose, biggest thing in this world, this life, is to be loved by God. Okay? What else does love do? Or what else does a beloved do? <laughs> Not that. What else does a beloved do? They also love others. John 13 verse 35 says, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, my example, when I got born again, loving others kind of felt a bit burdensome. Okay? It felt a bit burdensome. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm being brutally honest with you guys. But the cool thing is I did have the desire in my heart. God put the desire in my heart, but I didn't know how. And what I realized for me was that I needed a revelation. And this revelation was the fact that God put his spirit of love inside of me. So love is actually a byproduct. Love causes me to do the right thing. Love causes me to love somebody else because that is now my new spirit. Something else I learned was that I can hear from God. And that that radically changed it because now it starts looking like a relationship. Um, Romans 8 verse 16 says, For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers. I should have read this slower to give more dramatic effect. For the Holy Spirit makes God's father fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being. You are God's beloved child. So now, instead of asking God, God, what is the right thing? What's the wrong thing to do? I can ask him, God, what is the thing or what's going to bring life and what is going to bring death? That scripture talks about God whispers to me. I can hear him inside and I can ask him, God, is this a life decision or a death decision? And since God is life, what is he always going to tell me? He's always going to tell me what the life decision is. Okay, so that starts changing my perspective of God and it allows me to it allows me to for His love to uh, to flow through me. So remember, we had the love to uh, look towards man, love in man, and now love through man. And you get to that point when you realize that you are now one with Christ, because Christ loves every person that He sees. Every you will. I saw this on Facebook or something where somebody said, "You will never look a person in the eyes that God doesn't love." Right? That's that's powerful. Okay, so we looked at, we, I can hear from God now, but I can also see God. We can see Him in the Word, we can see Him in others as well, because we're seeing Jesus. Um, Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 2 says, Watch what God does, and then you do it, like children will learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Just when you start off, you know, watch what God does. Now, babies, children, they do what they, what they see. Most of us may be watching uh, YouTube videos, but we can also watch Jesus, right? We can also watch our Father inside of us. And we can then imitate what we're seeing the father do. Jesus did that. If you look in the word, I only do what I see my father do. So we can do the same because it's that exact same spirit living inside of us. Next part says, like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Now, children normally look like their parents. When baby Chris grows up, we're going to see that they look like, or he looks like uh, Catherine and Etienne. Children also have this, the, the a combination of their father's and, and mother's DNA. In our case, we've, we've got our father's DNA, which means it should be natural for us to be like our father. We can, our, our new identities, who we now are, our new DNA that we have, we can live that out. As children, we've got the new our new identity in Christ, and we can live it out because that is who we really are. Oh, I love this verse. Mostly what God does is love you. Man, if a word says you must watch God and all you're going to see is God loving you, what is that going to do to your heart? You're going to be overflowing with so much love that you want to love every person that you, you uh, put your eyes on, right? <laughs> uh, keep company with him and learn a life of love. This is a picture of a relationship. In the relationship, you need to be present. You need to talk. You need to ask questions. You need to interact. But not just that, we can also give God our cares. Now, Jesus said that. Give my cares. Jesus is more than capable to handle all of your cares. May Way more than capable. The next verse says, Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. It, it's all about Jesus in the end. Well, from the beginning to the end, it's all about Jesus, actually. Um, and He demonstrated His love to us. He served us. The Word shows us He served people. His will lined up with His Father's will. And our will can do that as well. God is in the in the business of love. And we as a church, we are part of His family business. Each member should be about doing their father's business god has an agenda to save the world to save creation and you've got a part to play in that now the the thing is that your part you won't be able to do in your own ability so the word says faith works by love (laughs) that shouldn't be one that i have to reference right (laughs) faith works by love Faith works by love. And you are going to need faith to do what God has put on your heart. To do God's agenda, you're going to need faith. And for you to have faith, which works by love, you're going to need to know how much God loves you. It basically just boils down to the awareness of love once again. Because you already have love living inside of you when you became born again. It's just becoming more aware. And this is just the last you know, the last part I'm getting into you are never separated from God's love. You are 100% one with Him. Like, you are so one with Him that you, you can't take out certain molecules and divide them and say, okay, that is God's ones and that, those are yours. It's even on a, on, a, on a more intense level than that. And to experience that oneness with Him, remember now the Spirit is inside of you, we are one with Him, you tap into that by believing God. Become naked, Forget all your stuff, all your things. You're like, okay, God, your word says this. I'm going to believe that. And as you believe, you become like your father. Like father, like son. Your so man, when I hear that, that's what I'm thinking about. Who's my father? I am like my father. And when you become like your father, like father, like son, you're able to demonstrate love in the same way that your father demonstrates that. Doesn't hold wrongs against you or anything like that. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.